2: Strange Familiars, I'm your host, Timothy Renner. If you've seen something strange, something unusual, Bigfoot, a UFO, ghosts, and you'd like to share your story, you can email us, strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com. If you have a short encounter, you can always leave us a voicemail, 717-347-8554. We are rather backed up on interviews now, So the best way to get us your encounter, if you have a short one, is to leave it as a voicemail, 717-347-8554. If you get cut off, just call back and continue your message. So tonight we'll be talking with Marina and Colleen about various subjects, including Bunny Man, the nightmare creature we've talked about before, that sallow goblin-like thing that hangs out in people's corners, gray alien encounters, and other things besides... But first, let's talk to Marina about her bunny man. right, tonight we're talking with Marina, who has a story of a creepy person in a bunny suit. I had to get the story for the show, so if you want to just kind of give us a when this happened and and the location as general or specific as you want to get and then just go right into the story
0: yeah so uh this actually happened about three and a half years ago i believe it was um probably around january i believe when it was anyways i'm from florida and i was running up to the store and usually i will take an extra like 10-minute drive to go to, like, Publix or Target up the road just because the Walmart that was, like, right across from my house was
2: really, really, really creepy. (laughs) (laughs) We have one of those Walmarts here.
0: Oh, my God. It's terrible. Like, every time you go in there, you're just, like, I'm going to get, like, robbed. Yeah. It's it's really bad.
2: I always say I I feel like I'm going to get shanked when we go
0: into this Walmart. Right? Oh, (laughs) my God. It's terrible. Anyways, um for whatever reason this day I decided like hey I'm just going to go on this Walmart I don't know why because it was a very bad decision and I've not been in there since anyways I went in and I was going through the pharmacy and I looked over and there's like you know some people in line for the pharmacy and kind of in the back was this like I don't even know how to describe it like okay so you know it was like a person in a bunny suit but it was very short like maybe three foot tall but the bunny suit was, like, not your average. It was looked like it just came from, like, I don't know, a thrift store that has been burned. Mm-hmm. I, it was, like, extremely disturbing. And the body proportions were way out of sync. Like, the arms were really, really long. And the body was really short. And the legs were really short. And when I walked in and I looked over at it, it was just like staring directly at me and there were a whole bunch of kids and like a couple of parents around it. And I, I don't even remember like anyone talking. They were all just kind of like looking at it and the parents had like their phones out and I don't know if they were like trying to take pictures. It was really strange. And I just remember like thinking like, there's no reason like it's not near Easter. It's, there's no reason for a person in a bunny suit to just be in this Walmart just like, it was, it was weird. And so I kept walking. And as I was walking, it turned its entire body and followed me. I grabbed what I needed to and I came back around the corner and it was just gone. And like the parents were gone, the kids were gone. Like no one acted like they had seen it. No one, you know, was making any like faces. No one was talking about it. It was really weird and I just had like this daunting feeling like I need to get out of here right now mm-hmm. and I don't know it can't even describe it it was weird and it was like dingy and dark and looked like it was like matted and yeah so I ran out of the Walmart really really fast and I- not been back since
2: really just never never going back in there again
0: no ever (laughs) (laughs) like I won't even drive past it like I I mean I've moved from that town now but like even whenever I did I would like take the back road just to it's a bad Walmart in general but that story like that was just enough for me I remember like I even called my mom and I was like I just saw this person I think and this bunny suit and then it I turned and it disappeared and I'm like scared that it's gonna like be in my car now (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I was talking to her the other day about it or a couple weeks ago actually about it and I was and I asked her if she remembered that story of me telling her that and she's like yeah I remember that and I was like do you remember me calling you and telling you like you know and I stayed on the phone with her until I got home because it just was so unnerving and, like, it sounds so stupid, just like, you know, there's a person in a bunny suit, but it... I don't know. There was just something about the way it, like, turned and watched me walk around the corner, and then I can't... Like, I literally grabbed something off the shelf long enough for me to turn my back, and then it was gone. So
2: this would have been a little person in, in a bunny suit. Right. Right. But not a child. This was an adult short
0: person. I, be- I believe so, because, like, it had... It was weird. So, like, it had, like, the... Its arms were like fur or, claw or something. It looked furry and then had like, it looked like human hands and like white gloves, but they were like really, really big hands. Like an adult sized hand. Mm-hmm. It was, it was weird. <laughs> I don't know.
2: <laughs> and was there like a face cutout for the, you know, where you could see his face? Or, or was no, this a, a full bunny mask?
4: It
0: was like a full bunny like you know those like bunny like head things Mm -hmm. that you like just put on it was like that and it had like these huge eyes that were like pitch black and it had a black nose and I don't remember seeing a mouth for it. I could tell that it came out like its nose kind of came out a little bit like a you know an actual bunny kind of wood Mm -hmm. and it had on it was just white fur all the way down and it looked dingy and dirty. And it had, like, rabbit-looking feet, but human hands.
2: So, rabbit costume feet.
0: Right, right. Okay,
2: okay, yeah. Sorry. No, no, it's strange familiars, I have to check. (laughs) (laughs) If there's some kind of rabbit centaur running around, you know, this would be the place to find out about it.
5: That would be terrifying, too.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Wow, so that's so creepy.
0: Uh, Yeah, and, like, it was something that I was just kind of chalked up to, like, it's Walmart, you know, for, like, right. the longest time, and then I was listening to the round table that you did with the confessionals, and you had mentioned something about the bunny man,
4: mm-hmm. and,
0: like, I instantly got, br- got brought back to it, and I was like, there's no way, there is absolutely no way, and so I went on to your podcast, and I was listening to, you know, all the stories and everything, and I was like, "There, there just, there can't be any way that this is, like, The bunny man or anything like that But I had to reach out to you because it was just such an odd Story and it was
2: yeah I mean for For most of these seem To be you know at least Appear to be just people in costumes It's not like you know when people talk about These other things like you know dog man Or or whatever that you know they're talking about an actual Creature you know not someone in a costume Necessarily
0: right And like it wouldn't be necessarily like, Like if I had turned around and he Was still there and you know the kids and everything But like he was gone and the kids and the adults were gone too and that's what got me Like the people who were just there are like no longer there I don't see them anywhere and it was like that open space in Walmart where the pharmacy is where it's you know like maybe one one or two shelves on either side Mm -hmm. but it's a pretty open space in between and they were gone and I mean there were like a good amount there were like I want to say like six or seven kids around them and like two or three adults and they were just gone.
4: Wow.
2: Yeah. That's weird. It's weird that he turned and followed you as well.
0: Yeah. It was, it was almost like a, I see you and I know that you see me and you know, like a, almost like an intimidation type thing is how I felt. Mm. And I just like with like everything in my body was like, this is not right. You need to get out now.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah.
2: That's so bizarre. Did you notice any other weirdness around it? Like, uh, you, for instance, you got home on time. There's not no missing time or anything associated with it.
0: Um, no, no, I don't. I not that I can recall or anything. It, it was just, I don't know. Like, and that was the thing because I was trying to after I listened to you know the other podcast. I was like, well, did I like was there some time that I was missing? Was there you know some weird things or anything? And it's nothing that I can you know can think of right and i've i've seen you know some weird things in the night and in the skies and everything like that but it's nothing ever that i was like you know this isn't right like i need to get out of this situation right now like there's something wrong Mm -hmm. like it was This is probably gonna sound really stupid but i felt like i was almost in danger of like this small funny person in a costume i don't know
2: yeah, yeah, which is, I mean, I guess, it's an unsettling thing, so I'm, I'm trying to put myself in your place. I'm trying to think, like, would you, under normal circumstances, feel intimidated by someone in a rabbit costume, or is there something else going on there? You know what I mean? And,
0: right. And,
2: and I can't, I mean the whole thing's just so creepy. The dirty cost. Like, why is it dirty? You know what I mean? Like, I, don't I don't know. Yeah.
0: Like, and that's what caught me. I'm like, what? Is, like, why, why is it? Why? Is it? And like, what's on it? That's making it like this dingy, dirty color.
2: Yeah. And, yeah. What did you get into? Did it like,
0: did... like, did you just like pull it out of the trash? Like in the back of Walmart and come in for
4: like, a yeah. Like, what it...
2: yeah. What's the thought process? Yeah. <laughs> If if this is you know some kind of normal human, what's what's going on there? Like, what's?
5: I don't think it would be a normal human. Yeah. Enough. Well, yeah. Exactly.
2: <laughs> exactly. Wow, that's so bizarre. I, I have to say, I love these bunny man stories. They're so weird. Every one of them is just it's just so weird. Like I said, they they seem to be normal people in bunny suits, and it's just bizarre. It's I I absolutely love them, but I don't know I don't know what to say. Unless, you know, if there's something specifically else weird going on, like the account with the the bunny man and the UFOs that, you know, the Mm -hmm. girls saw, that's, you know, okay, that's specifically, there's other weirdness associated with it. But more and more of the stories I'm getting are just like yours, where somebody's just like, yeah, I just saw a weird guy in a bunny suit. I don't know what it was.
0: Yeah, it's, you know what it reminds me of? Like, do you remember years ago when like, all of a sudden, like, there were just like these creepy killer clowns, like in the middle of the night like in the street.
4: Right. Like yeah, yeah. it
0: it almost reminds me of that, but I don't know. Like I don't I don't know if this is like an actual person. I don't know if I like for whatever reason like hallucinated this thing for like five seconds.
2: Yeah, and, and <laughs> somebody said, Oh, this is all like post Donnie Darko stuff. I don't <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that, D- Donnie Darko. I have. Yeah. But I have. Th- like not all of them are though. That's the thing. A lot of these things are coming in from years before Donnie Darko. Right. So, you know, I, maybe. I mean, I know there's st- like stuff like this happens culturally, but the thing with the spooky clowns, too, is, the, the, yes, that was happening sometimes, but it wasn't happening nearly as much as people were re- reporting, or there'd be a lot of beat-up clowns.
0: Right, <laughs> like, yeah. right. Like, there right. were
2: a lot of people gunning for them. And, right. And, you know, and, and yes, it was happening. You know, people had photographs, and, and it was happening. So, I mean... Was it being reported more... Well, I I shouldn't say it wasn't happening as much. It, It didn't seem to be people in clown makeup, you know, simply, you know, teenagers or whatever, quite as often as people were reporting these things. So were they seeing something else that was looking like that, or is it hysteria that built up around it or whatever but uh so i'm hoping that we don't cause like bunny man copycat oh sightings God, I be-
0: hope not. <laughs> because <laughs> I don't i'd want like to, to get another one
2: <laughs> I, yeah i'd like to get all the naturally occurring bunny men or, or unnaturally as the case may be before uh, people start putting on bunny suits and going out and scaring people but uh, yeah in any I
0: think case the, i think the creepiest thing is just not knowing you know because it's like on one hand like I don't know I guess I could understand like the mentality of like someone just like hey you know I want to mess around with some people I'm gonna go put a bunny costume on and stand outside and see what people you know that seems a lot more plausible to me I guess but not the just disappearing after five seconds and like having yeah. a whole group of people especially kids yeah. you know and these kids weren't saying anything they were just looking at it and like you know but they didn't seem upset by it. It almost seemed normal. And it was it was like, I don't know, it was this false sense of like, this is normal, but it's not, and I need to get out. Right. You know, almost like it was something like trying to pretend. And like, that's an even scarier idea is if it is something that's, you know, not like physical or not, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. trying to pretend.
2: Yeah, yeah, well, and, and the fact that these seem to be, at least some of them associated with screen memories and stuff, it, there's a, definitely a creepy factor that's wound into all this.
0: Screen memories, what's that?
2: Well, uh, not to put this in your head, but it's, oh, it's God. where people have seen perhaps like a gray alien, for instance, and the uh, however the process works, whether it's a, a technology or, or psychically or whatever, they overlay an image of something oh. else so a, a lot of people see four foot owls for instance and then at a later oh. at a later <laughs> time they realize that was not an owl oh that's uh, terrifying yeah for me it was uh they simply appeared in as old-timey doctors they had like like uh maybe old doctors outfits from the 20s or 30s on like and uh and surgical masks and so forth until uh at some later point, I realized no, they didn't. <laughs> An- another time, they appeared to. Uh, I saw them. They were wearing a like World War One fighter helmet, like a like a the, oh. like Snoopy and the Red Baron that kind of helmet.
0: Yeah.
2: And uh, I'm looking at. them like, why are they wearing this stupid helmet? Like at this point, they look like people. And then, it, like instantly in this in this experience, and I, I think these are out of body experiences. I don't. I don't think I ever left my bed or, or was put on any kind of flying saucer or anything. These are out-of-body experiences, I believe. As I'm looking, at them going, why are they wearing those stupid goggles? And then I, literally they, they it shifted. It kind of morphed as I'm looking at the goggles and, and turned into the eyes of those gray aliens. I was like, oh, geez.
0: Oh, and, that's it, terrifying.
2: Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of, so I think some of these bunny things have been screen memories that people have described. You know, that puts a whole other weird spin on it. Right. So, anytime something's masked, though, I think it's very natural trepidation we have. Anytime somebody's wearing a mask of any sort, where you're just like, "Okay, wait a minute. Like, I can't see your face. I can't see your eyes. What's going on here?"
0: Right. When you like with the screen memories, it almost it almost makes me think of like, um, and not saying like this is anything related, but almost like black-eyed kids. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know I've heard a lot of people thinking like, you know, they're like. Evil. They're like demons or something that are masquerading to try to get you to feel comfortable and feel safe and like, you know, open your home and everything to it. And like that is just absolutely bone chilling to me. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, the, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, those are, those are the, the, absolutely terrifying. When people start talking about that, I was like, ah, I don't want to no. know. <laughs> yeah. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> yeah don't, don't knock on my door, man. whatever you just, oh. just go go to the no <laughs> I'm just like nah just no just no, yeah,
0: I'll see you later good night <laughs> that's,
2: that's, that's, my wife is so uh, inclined to help children. I remember when when you know years ago dec- a decade or more ago, when I first started reading these black eyed kids stories on the internet I'm like and i I told her I was like if you see the kids with black eyes, don't you let them in. And she's like, "What are you talking about?" I'm <laughs> like, like I know you and kids, you would help any kid. So like, like don't don't do it. Just don't do it. She's like, "Okay, all right, whatever."
0: <laughs> I you know, I I used to be like fine with kids. I I actually used to be like a preschool teacher and everything, you know. And I love kids, but oh my god, like the more that I hear about, you know, when I listen to like these podcasts and these stories about like children and you know especially like children ghosts I mm, it's just it's it's terrifying I there was something I can't remember where I was listening to it from but uh basically someone was saying that the ghost of a child seems so terrifying and creepy because children are supposed to you know be innocent and pure and you know they're supposed to just be able to pass along easily because they're children but these children are stuck and there was like almost this theory of maybe these aren't really children it's something masquerading as a child right and uh, yeah i was i was like i'm done with that i I, I had to stop listening for like a week
4: (laughs) yeah
2: yeah i mean in the case of the black eyed kids i would say it absolutely has to be something masquerading Mm -hmm. as a child which is Well, in the same way, if these things are masquerading as as bunnies, you know, to try to somehow appear softer to people or to children, you know, to appeal to them in any way. It's the whole thing. It's just very, very creepy. Right. There's a really, really creepy aspect to it. But, uh, yeah. Well, Marina, thank you so much for sharing your story.
4: Yeah,
0: yeah. No, thank you. So it's nice talking to you.
2: If you see any bunny men, where where are (laughs) your first stop
0: okay I'll let you know
2: we're guys in flannel too that's the other one uh, we're, the, we're the first stop for flannel man too All right. okay I'll let you know alright thank you have a good night
0: you
4: too
2: I'd like to thank our patrons Strange Familiars patrons make the show possible without our patrons we could not do this podcast if you would like to help us continue making Strange Familiars and get bonus content besides, you can become a patron at Patreon. That's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. For just $3 a month, you get full extra episodes of Strange Familiars. We promise one full episode every month for our patrons, and we try to deliver more. In October, we did too. We will see what November brings. There are all different levels of support there at Patreon. You can check it out. Again, that's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. If you don't like the idea of a monthly subscription, you can help us with a one-time PayPal donation. The paypal.me link is in the show notes of every episode at strangefamiliars.com. And of course, everyone can help by sharing the show on social media and by liking, subscribing, and giving us those nice five-star reviews wherever you're listening. Whether it's iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, wherever you're listening. Those reviews help Strange Familiars get in front of new potential listeners. So now we're going to talk to Colleen. Colleen did have a patchy connection, so there are times in the interview it drops out. I've done my best to edit it. At the time I recorded the interview with Colleen, I also had a cold, so I was struggling with that as well. In all, I think the topics we cover are worth listening to the interview, even with the less than perfect audio tonight. We're talking with Colleen, who I think you initially emailed after you heard the nightmare creature episode, right? Was that the one that that uh, resonated with you?
1: Uh, yes, it was. I think I watched another video before that. I'm not sure which one that was, but then. That one caught my eye, so I decided to take a listen, and it kind of brought back a lot of uh, memories in my childhood that I kind of forgot.
2: Yeah. Well, if you want to give a little background on yourself (laughs) and then kind of go into some of these weird stories, we'd love to hear them, and and I'll ask questions along the way.
1: Yeah. Uh, My name is Colleen, and I am... Um, I'm a member of the Oglala tribe of Pine Ridge, South Dakota, and I've lived um, moving back and forth between Pine Ridge and my mother's reservation here in Nebraska, and that's in Macy. And it's kind of an interesting living because it's very rural, you know, the middle of nowhere, you know, basically the necessities. So you're kind of just, you know, it's... I guess it's a very different way of because some of the places I grew up in, um, had no, uh, like electricity or running water. Even I just had a very interesting life up to my current time. I've been, you know, living in different parts of the country, you know, it's, it, mostly in the Midwest. Uh, I haven't gone very far towards the East Coast, and I've only visited San Francisco once in my life. So it's been kind of like just in the central United States and up into central Canada.
2: So you basically grew up on these two different reservations. Mm-hmm. Is the culture similar between the two, or is there is it uh, you know are there are there uh, great differences between the, the two different reservations?
1: Well, it's like um, Macy. I guess you could say Macy's a little bit more modernized. they uh, it's a smaller tribe, but they're one of the ones that has that has a functioning casino. So basically, you know, they do have like one small gas station. But even where we were living, it was like like ten miles away, and even then, it was guaranteed that you. would there. So it's kind of like Macy was or is rather it's it's a very interesting place where it's you know it's a quickly modernizing little country if you want to think of it that way. It's like you know it's you know it's just now getting you know proper fiber optic internet like in 2019 you know they're finally getting internet and before it was kind of like you know the only thing that you'd have to the outside world was radio and then Satellite TV, basically.
4: Mm
1: -hmm. With Pine Ridge, And on the other hand, it's, you know, like, you know, it's like the area of South Dakota is and is called the Badlands. So it's almost desert-like, you know, it's very dry and hot in the summer. And then it's like frozen over in the wintertime. So it's like these two extremes of, you know, where you can go for a couple weeks without seeing... Like storms in summertime, so where it's very dry and very hot. So it's kind of like it's more. I wouldn't say primitive. I'd say it's more like free in Pine Ridge. Like you know, you you there's like in some parts of the reservation, there like as long as you know their as long as you know like your relations, you know who you're related to on that reservation. You're basically are you're basically free to go anywhere you want. You know, there's no fencing, unless it's you know, unless it belongs to you know a non-native rancher, for mm-hmm. instance. But you know, it's so it's it's that kind of place, though, where it you know you might not have electricity, but at the same time, you know, people will be coming and going and bringing you food, you know, trading you know basic goods and that kind of thing for other basic goods. So it's 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 a very interesting place to live on at Pine Ridge.
2: When did these experiences start for you?
1: For like like all these different experiences and many different kinds it started out very when I was very young. I'd say like I started becoming aware of it when I was about seven years old. And you know, a lot of the stories I hear from like my mother are aunts is that You know, when I was a child, I used to be talking to, you know, like ghosts all the time. So they would tell me, like, I'd be in the kitchen and they'd walk in and I'd be standing there talking to somebody they couldn't see. And they were just kind of like, oh, yeah, I have like an imaginary friend. And then all of a sudden I'm telling them like this whole person's life story, basically, of you know, who they were and then how they died. And then they're just kind of like, oh, that's nice.
4: Right. Yeah.
1: So, but in terms of like the night, like the nightmare, for instance, it's the first conscious memory I have of it is like probably about five. Um, I've always had a hard time sleeping at night, and if I do manage to sleep at night, it has to be like in a pitch black room. You know, there can't be there can't be any lights of any sort, and there can't be like like there can't be any open doors. So like the closet door has to be closed, for example. And like what I've kind of done is I've kind of left a little bit of clutter on my bedroom floor, with like a path going to to and from the door. And and I, and which you know it sounds like, you know, irresponsible behavior because I know I know some people who've asked me like, well, aren't you afraid you're going to trip in the middle of the night? And it's kind of like, well, I've adapted to sleeping and living in in darkness, so it's I I don't see any issue. But I started doing that because I used to wake up in the middle of the night and see, you know, a lot like not just this one entity, but also like multiple different types of things and including strange lights in the window and that kind of thing. So it's like so for me, it's like I've just kind of built my life around handling entities, paranormal issues, so to speak.
4: Mm hmm.
2: Is the clutter in a sense like I, I know my way through this and someone or something else might not? Is, is that the idea with that?
1: Yeah, that's that's kind of like the idea. It's like it's like it's like, like for me, it's like planning out a minefield, so to speak. Right. Um, I know where everything is, is just that people who come in might not. So they'll probably most likely knock something over. So there's like papers and books and, you know, things, things of that nature. But I, but, but I do clean up my room regularly, so it's not cluttered all the time. It's just like right, when right. I feel I I need that.
2: No, I understand. It's almost like a like a primitive alarm system in a sense.
1: Yeah, you know, like like tying cans together and stringing them up over yeah. their perimeter boundary, kind of thing. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I totally understand that. So, do you remember the like the first time you saw something?
1: Um, I'd say, like I said, I was about five years old. So me, you know, my family at the time was just my parents and, uh, the older of my two younger brothers, um, had this little apartment in this little, you know, this small little town in like rural Nebraska. So, and, and like, when I say small little towns, it's like one of those towns where, you know, there's houses no one's lived in for at least 10 years kind of deal. So there's, you know, empty property. You know, like, like, one there and they've moved away since then. So it's not quite a ghost town, but not quite a full-blown town where everybody's living and happy. It's kind of like right, yeah, half-dead, I guess you could say. So this little apartment <clears throat> we lived in was uh one of those uh places where... Single bedroom, so I had, you know, my own bed, and my parents had their bed, and my brother had his bassinet. Our bedroom was open, and where it was open is like you can see into the uh, the living room, the small little living room we had at the time, and we had one of those big TVs from the nineties, so they're like this huge hulking monster of a TV sitting on the couch. and and it's kind of like. To kind of go off on a little tangent here, it's like in our culture, it's like when we're going to sleep, we usually cover mirrors up or anything reflective because you don't want to wake up and next thing you know, you're seeing something in the mirror. So it's like culturally, you know, when before we go to bed, we cover any objects that are reflective up with, you know, a cloth, a T-shirt, blanket, some some sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But my parents at that night had not. So I woke up and I was, you know, getting ready to, uh, you know, go to the kitchen and get water kind of thing. You know, had to, had my own little stepladder and everything ready to go. And, and I remember waking up and I was sitting on my bed and uh, I was afraid, definitely afraid of two things that night. The first thing was like these, like, I don't know if it was. Like a hallucination or a partial dream or something, but I always used to be afraid of these mechanical spiders that were under my bed, and I never understood what those mechanical spiders were because, like I said, I couldn't tell if they're a dream or if it was some sort of screen memory of some sort. Um, but the second one was that I could see this, you know, this thing in the corner of our uh, our living room, you know, and. It was like like you couldn't see it in real time, I guess. Um, it was just an empty corner with your you know, your own vision, but you could see something, you know, reflected in the TV screen, and it was kind of like this tall, thin, hunched thing in in, in the corner, and then and then I can't really remember what I did. If, I might have just forsaken that drink of water and gone back to bed or just kind of one of those um uh, ear in bed and you can't really remember what all happened and it's kind of and and you know, and it was like you know, I had school that morning, so I just, you know, went to school and really didn't look back on you know, on on that night.
2: And was this the you know, you said it was kind of a sour looking it was, was this that thing that you saw
1: it, it, yeah it seemed a lot like that except like it had shorter hair and it, it looked as unkempt it, it it was just kind of like i'm not i'm not sure it was more pale you know more like um you know like like a like you know the the, the color of birch trees it was just kind of like a pale mm-hmm why it wasn't quite sallow yet so i'm like in my mind right now i'm just thinking of it as kind of like a precursor you know it's like like something that just kind of like was announcing itself so to speak like oh this is what you're gonna see for a few nights a year in the coming years kind of deal
2: Uh and is that what happened then you saw it repeatedly
1: repeatedly yeah and it's like like i said amongst (laughs) amongst other things like it's has been a combination of like you know like shadow people or things that look like static and uh and things you know things that look partially invisible and and sometimes just noises but every now and then i would see that kind of like this uh You know, like, it's tall and has, like, sallow skin. And I guess guess in my mind, it's kind of like a a prisoner of some sort. You know, like, the stereotypical prisoner you'd see in, like, an old medieval castle thing. You know what I mean? It's like somebody locked away, that has been locked away in a dungeon and just was kind of left there to rot.
2: Mm -hmm. And was this entity tall?
1: Yeah, it it was pretty tall i'd say like six feet six three and you know i'm pretty tall myself i'm six one so i'd say it was like my height and maybe a little bit over in modern day
2: (laughs) right right was it wearing clothes of any sort
1: it was like um like ragged like like rough like ragged rough pants you know very frayed uh like a ragged rough shirt it was kind of like kind of like those um shirts you see like sailors wear and like those um older pirate movies and that kind of thing but it had like holes in it kind of like so it, it showed like some of those you know its skin mm-hmm. through those holes
2: as you saw this uh you know over a progression of am years, I guess. Did it change like that? Uh, I know you said it, the, the look of it, the, the scanner would ever change a little bit, but did it ever present in different clothes or anything?
1: Not really. It, it kind of like it, like it seemed like besides everything else, it was one of the only things that did it change as much
4: mm-hmm. like,
1: you know, like, like the shadow people I like, see sometimes they're just, you know, the stereotypical Tall shadow person that just can't, that's kind of there and then it's gone kind of deal, and then other times you know they're they're more like hunched hooded figures that kind of scurry around the edges of already established shadows. But this one has been a constant, so to speak. It's the only thing unchanged from my childhood.
2: And does it always appear in the same place, like in a corner, or or even in the same corner?
1: Cause I, I've changed houses like so many times, but it's always been in a corner of a room, mostly behind a door or otherwise near a closet, like not exactly inside the closet, but like just adjacent to is near a corner of the room.
2: Mm -hmm. Was there anything about the, the look of its face or anything that seemed unusual or particularly noteworthy?
1: kind of like one of those beings where you can't quite see its face like you know it has a face but it's very blurry kind of like you know like no matter how hard you look at it you can't discern anything beyond like the jaw and then like a the forehead but that's pretty much it like you can't tell if it has a face at all really
2: mm-hmm. do you think that could be because like some part of you maybe doesn't want to see the face
1: I would believe so. It's like, like for me, you know, I do, I do myself, I suffer from PTSD. I had some very, you know, bad bullying experiences as a a child. So it, so for some like teachers and and for some students of my class, I can't remember their faces either. So I'm just going to say, yeah, I'm going to, yeah, it's, I guess it's a way for my brain to cope with, you know, the fact that it. It's too uh disturbing to remember
2: I yeah, guess. yeah, I mean, it could just be a, such an intense experience that you know I think I think anybody might have a, a nope reaction to that, you know did it ever really do anything like uh I mean it sounds very similar to to the nightmare creature that was uh, described on the show before, but do you ever remember it you know doing anything or like reaching for you or trying to actually do anything?
1: Um, no, actually it just kind of like it just stayed in its corner, just like intently stared. You know, you know what I mean? Like it just kind of like that person who just stares at you and is like, Oh, I don't like you. Mm-hmm. But I'm not gonna start anything. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stand here and just stare and hope my staring kills you or something. You know what <laughs> I mean? It's just like yeah, one of those very disturbing staring contests, so to speak.
2: Did you ever have to get up and walk by it?
1: I think once. And that, and that was because one time I saw it, you know, this is after my parents' divorce. And this house is like this small red brick house. And it's, you know, it has two bedrooms. One has been converted into an office. So there's just, but there's this one time when I did wake up. So I walked past it and just made it into the living room sat down forced myself to watch you know watch the movie that we were watching and i can't remember which movie it was it might have been the city of angels i think i didn't want to look back into the bedroom just in case if it was like peeking around the corner or something but part of me was also like afraid that if i wasn't the only one seeing it you know like would my siblings wake up and see it and would they freak out because they're like you know younger than me Mm -hmm. you know like my sister at the time was like like she was like five years old it just made me hyper aware that night of like like this this thing could be a real thing and i don't want my siblings to experience anything like that like i didn't want them to feel like they had to be aware of you know these um very frightening dreamlike creatures
4: right
2: do you still see this thing or uh, did it, did it just end at some point?
1: I haven't seen it in about two years and I'm kind of hoping that I, I don't, Right. Um, I think it's mostly because, you know, I've been uh, very careful about how I spend my time. So to give a little bit of info, it's like, you know, I have a mental illness, you know, I have bipolar disorder, so it's, it's kind of, you know, one of the. It's like one of that disorder where, you know, you're already pretty manic. So for me, like it, it's, it's. I split my time like if I'm awake at night, for instance, I'm listening to music, I'm writing, I'm drawing, I'm, I mean, I'm doing all these things to kind of like make sure I'm not impulsively going out and hurting myself or anything. So it's, so I've kind of learn these behaviors where not only am i imagine, managing my own symptoms but i'm also managing you know these other things that i've experienced that aren't connected to you know my mental illness right so it's so i haven't seen some of these things i've grown up experiencing in a good while and i think that's you know it's it's, it's pretty good in my opinion
2: yeah i would say it's a positive not to uh not to have to worry about it, the spiders you, you were talking about before that's very, very interesting because I've had a couple people tell me about seeing spiders. Some of them have said they were kind of me- mechanical, like you said, and some of them have said they were almost like liquid. and These were always, you said, under your bed,
1: under my bed. Yes, it's, it's actually kind of like oh gosh, um, I think it's actually because I have a phobia of spiders, like, like, even looking at pictures make me paranoid you know mm-hmm. it's like a phobia where somewhere some way somehow it is watching you with me but with spiders <laughs> mm-hmm. somewhere in the world there's a spider watching specifically me <laughs> um but yeah it was like these these mechanical spiders i'd say were at least like a very small dog and they like usually one or two that come crawling out and they never really made any like metallic noises you know like you know like how um Oh, the fashion sewing scissors, you know, when you're opening and closing them, that kind of snick, snick noise. Mm -hmm. They never really made any metallic noises, but they've always, like, given me this impression that they were made out of very heavy metal of some sort, like silver or titanium or, you know, steel. You know, something very heavy and cold and sharp. So, So they would come crawling out at, at me usually when I was you know leaving a room or to get water or for whatever reason I was awake at night and I just decided to go and sit in our living room and so you know like my parents were working so they were like, like you know dead asleep at night most of the time so was, so I was just awake by myself and I know that's like some people were like you know should it, someone have been been awake with you but at the same time it's like well I never went outside I never you know tried cooking by myself or anything I just couldn't sleep I just go and sit in the living room or you know do something else but to see those mechanical spiders it was like very kind of like the way they moved seemed almost too too smooth to be like anything anything robotic or more properly like anything man-made so to speak
4: mm-hmm.
1: i've seen robots that he can, the movements those robots are making are nowhere near smooth
4: right that's yeah. what
1: these mechanical spiders moved with and is what sticks with me is like they move so organically that's what sticks to me to this day it's like okay there's mechanical spiders somewhere out there who that may be bothering other people, <laughs> and this, it's, it just it just makes you it just makes me feel weird.
2: Yeah, yeah. Did the phobia of spiders come before you saw them, or because of them, perhaps?
1: I think it developed because of them. Um, because you know, like, you know, you're 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 five years old. You're less than three feet seeing like small dog sized spiders whenever I see a spider now, it's kind of like, I don't know, that is that a regal spider or is that like a nano spider? I don't know.
4: Right. Yeah,
2: that's, that's creepy. Tell me about these lights outside of your window then.
1: Long story short, you know, to explain the lights a little <laughs> bit is both my parents, my parents have experienced these, these lights and I think like on my like on my mother's side, like what she would say was some nights, you know, there would be like these little what looked like Christmas lights that would kind of be peeking outside of her bedroom window. It would kind of confuse her because they it seemed like police lights. So for her it was kinda of like, Oh yeah, I just had strange lights outside my bedroom window sometimes. Yeah, nothing really happened. For my dad, however, it was Quite different. So he associated these lights with UFOs, you know, because for him, you know, he'd actually peek outside his window and, you know, see, any, you know, these, you know, just like these, um like what he would say, like they'd blink in a circle.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And he couldn't quite see if there was anything they were connected to or if there were just lights that happened to be in the form of a, of a circle and just, or in a formation of a circle, and just decided to, you know, blink one after the other kind of deal. You know, he would tell me is that there was different types of lights he'd see. Sometimes they were multicolored. Sometimes it was red. Sometimes it was blue. Sometimes it was yellow. And sometimes it was just you know, like white floodlight basically. Mm-hmm. And and I I'd, I'd consider it unusual on my father's and because when when he was growing up in Pine Ridge, you it, know, it's like. Out in the middle of nowhere, so to speak, you know, it was one of those houses where, you know, it has no heating besides like a stove, like a wood stove. Um, you know, no electricity. You know, they had they only had you know battery battery get to see, get to see modern technology until you know he left the reservation in like the late seventies. Mm-hmm. So, so for him, it, it was kind of like an unusual. Thing to see because he never seen like like anything like Las Vegas for instance you know it's like all these flashing lights and you know you know all these billboards and that kind of thing so for me you know seeing blue or white light was kind of like oh it's that lamp talked about again okay I, I just hope it goes out because it's annoying to me.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Looking back on seeing those lights, do you ever think there was something more to it? Do you think that was like UFO visitation or there was something else happening that maybe you don't remember?
1: It would be something similar to that. Because, you know, my father used to tell me that um, he used to see a lot of UFOs growing up. Because his father was in the military, so he'd kind of, you know, his so his dad would be the kind of person to point out, that's a helicopter that's a airplane and that's you know one of those one of those uh, things you just see you know like these blinking multicolored lights and that kind of thing and so my dad kind of grew up with this knowledge that you know there were these eagles that existed and he had been a police officer for some time so so he was you know just kind of out and about in the countryside and one of his stories, cause I asked him once about, you know, these lights in the windows and what he told me once when he had been, I'm not sure if it was on patrol or if he, he and his partner was like on radar duty. but <laughs> It was something of that sort where they had been at a stop for a while. And they got this call where they're like, there's, you know, some of these, um, people that are, you know, stuck on the side of the road and they're, they called in a complaint. We just want you to go check things out. Off my dad and his partner goes and they basically, you know, they basically run into a gray, you know, and, and whenever I tell this story, people kind of look at me like, so you're telling me your dad tried to arrest a gray alien. (laughs) And I'm sitting here like, well, yes, yes, you know, and so, so like what he told me basically was that he and his partner, you know, tried turning their lights on, but their lights didn't work. The only thing that did work was their and their being on, and to the point where they could still see it in the distance, but they could turn their car back on. So they started chasing after, it and you know, chaos ensues. And so, so my dad did tell me that. You know, he had experienced a lot of stuff growing up, and that's that might be something I was possibly experiencing as well in terms of seeing these lights. So I'm I'm going to be kind of like a maybe person and say I believe there was some sort of visitation. I just don't re- I just don't recall anything.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah, well that's the stuff with with all these kinds of weird things to see at night. I you know, I'm beginning to wonder if I don't want to say all of them, but I, I I want to say I feel like so many of them seem to be tied to these screen memories or just this weird stuff that goes on that you know, associated with these lights and these other things. It, I wonder what our mind is translating into screen memories and and you know, what we're being shown actually. I mean, it's a big puzzle, but to you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it was all tied together somehow.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, to, to go back to like my life a little bit more, I've um, grown up with a very strong Lakota tradition. so so it's kind of like we're pagans, I guess, I guess is the easiest term you'd say. It's like, you know, I mean, we have our traditional animism beliefs you know, my father would say, like, spirits are real. So, so for me, I just kind of grew up with this acceptance, like, well, that happened again. It might happen later, but I'll just make a note of it. And if I remember it later on, then I remember it later.
2: Now, is it viewed for you personally? And I guess it's it, through the lens of, of the culture you grew up in. Is it viewed as negative or neutral or you know how is that viewed the uh, I guess the the, I, the UFO experience in particular, I guess
1: I, like in terms of the UFO experience, I'd say it's very neutral because it's like one of those things that just you know, like like what my father would say, like it just happens to some people, and mm-hmm. whether whether they have good or bad experience experiences kind of depends upon themselves as a person is what he would tell me so for me personally it's like yeah it it happens to some people some people it doesn't it's it's just kind of like one of those things as my dad would always say you know just one of those things
2: Mm -hmm. i think that's a that's a healthier approach at least to be able to talk about it in that sense i think whereas uh i think for so many of us like like for me for instance the one of the I was so amazed when I went to the, uh, the X-File convention in Rhode Island to just sit around with a bunch of other experiencers who are just openly talking about it, this kind of stuff. And it was, uh you know, certainly I hear people, you know, every week I talk to people on the show all the time, but to be in, in the presence of just multiple people who are just sharing, you know, at some point, one of the speakers said, you know, who here has been abducted and all these hands go up in the audience. It was just this amazing thing to see. But that's the first time I ever felt like it wasn't like almost like a dirty secret or something, you know? And and I think probably the approach, like you said, like it just happens to some people not to minimize the experience in any way. I think it's, it's still a pretty incredible thing, but I think that's a, that's a much healthier approach to it in general.
1: Yeah. And it's kind of like, like for me, it's like, um, Cause I, I, I like for me personally I work with this uh, radio program that has to do with the paranormal, and one of the co-hosts I work with is always like, "Why don't I ever see like UFOs or Bigfoot or anything?" And I just tell him, you know, like at the at this moment in time, maybe you're not. Maybe never know about the future, so it's so for, so for me, what I just kind of constantly remind him and I'll remind people is. Some people are meant to see these things, and some people aren't, because some people can some people can function, and some people can't. So for me, it's you know it's it's a new it's neutral in terms of where, you know, there's people who can look at these UFOs and go, well, there's another one. I'll just you know make a record of it. Maybe have video I don't you know some sort of thing and then just kind of go about their day you know but other people they get unhealthily obsessed with it which is you know that's their experience as well and I don't want to say anything negative at the same time it's kind of like you can't get too caught up in some things because some part of you still needs to be able to function healthily (laughs)
3: yeah
2: I've had that message kind of shaken into me a few times as I've gotten obsessed with various corners of the paranormal. I've had to uh come back to reality a couple of times it's mm-hmm. not a, it's not a, a a bad lesson to learn to just you know don't get obsessed with with uh well with anything but this stuff can particularly get weird when you start getting obsessed with it
1: mm-hmm. in a and especially with like these things um you know, like I explained, like I've had so many <laughs> different experiences. You know, I've had the full spectrum, so to speak. You know, think like strange, like this strange nightmare creature, for instance. Um, shadow people, ghosts, UFOs. I haven't seen Bigfoot yet, so that's I don't know. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know if I want to see Bigfoot either. <laughs> but I've had a very colorful existence so far and and i just kind of like that's the reason why i'm interested in sharing things is because you know especially like with the radio program i volunteer for it's like not a lot of people get to hear from like native people on their perspectives of these issues or topics or whatever you want to call them so for me i just like to you know to say like especially about Bigfoot, is, like, some of these things in Native culture, you know, are considered sacred. So, so like, what I grew up with, especially with, like, Bigfoot, for instance, is, like, you know, they're, they're some of the first beings that were, you know, put here on this planet, and, you know, they deserve their privacy and to live their lives, and we shouldn't interfere. <laughs> so it's kind of, like, so for us, like, the tradition I grew up with is that you know you don't go chasing after these things in, in a way like you know the bigfoot hunters do on is it Travel Channel now or I can't remember yeah I know still
2: yeah yeah
1: <laughs> so 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 for me it's kind of like that's the message I'd like to say is you know like some of these things deserve to have their own spaces and to live peacefully as, as much as we do. And, you know, uh, and it's okay if you're curious and you want to know more, but for me, I kind of draw the line of where people are like, we should go out and shoot these things just to get a body and prove.
2: Yeah. I wouldn't recommend anyone do that. That's, that's what I always say when people ask me, I, say, I, I wouldn't recommend it. I don't, don't go shooting at them.
4: Hmm.
2: Whatever you think, whether you think is, even if you just think it's it's nothing more than an animal, still not just don't don't shoot at it. Just no need to do that.
1: Let them be; they're fine. They'll do their own thing. It's like it's like basically like that's what my grandmother told me, and you know, my grandmother, you know, told us a lot of stuff, all traditional stuff, and and one of the things she instilled in us is like, you know, and this is about the house, for instance, is like you keep all your windows closed and covered up because, you know, you don't want to see anything peeking in at you. And we're pretty sure none of these other beings want you to see them peeking in at you either. <laughs> <laughs> and, and kind of the other thing was if you're going to be outside at night, you know, make sure you're presenting yourself. Um, you know, you'll make noise, you sing, you carry some sort of, Light with you, because for us, it's like nighttime is the time where these other beings can come out and, you know, interact with the world, and daytime is more for us, so to speak. That's mm-hmm. kind of like what I grew up with as well. So it's so for me, it's a, nighttime is very respectful and very mindful about this sharing with you know. Like Bigfoot, for instance.
2: Well, without having grown up in that culture, I have to say I fully agree with your grandmother. Around here, all curtains are drawn at night. One of my biggest fears is to look out the window and see something looking in at me. I do not want that at all. So I am in full support of what your grandmother said. I pull the shades here as soon as it gets dark. I don't like things looking in.
1: And that's like... One thing I'm always confused about, like whenever I go to somebody else's house. Front window especially. Their front window is just wide open and it's pitch dark outside and you're just like, Aren't you ever worried of walking in, in like midnight to three and seeing something on your porch? <laughs> like
2: Yeah, that's I, I don't I,
1: know, I don't think I could do that.
2: I'm a grown man, I'm supposed to be you this know? this this big tough cryptid hunter, but uh nighttime comes and the shades are drawn.
1: Yeah, it's the same, it's the same, yeah, same principle, so, and it's the same teaching that we also got about, you know, like I said, reflective surfaces, because for us, like, the mirrors especially, you know, they'll reflect things like spirits, and it's not exactly always ghosts, like, we consider ghosts, like, humans, but with, like, spirits, they can be just about anything else, Mm -hmm. Um, so, like... You know, mirrors are covered up most of the time, unless they're in the bathroom, in which case the bat, the you know, the bathroom door's closed anyway. So, right, who cares about the bathroom mirror? <laughs> uh, TV screens are usually covered up. You know, uh, computer screens are usually covered up or pointed at the wall. You know, your phone's placed upside down. You know, uh, screen first against whatever surface you're setting it on, and even glasses are. You know, like your eyeglasses are just kind of like tucked somewhere where you can find them in the next morning. So, so it's kind of like I know a lot of people see that as superstitious, but I've seen enough things in mirrors to be like, yeah, I'm going to take that teaching seriously. I do not want to walk into the bathroom and see like a ghost and be like, oh, oh, great.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, you know, some of these superstitious behaviors do have some real tact to them, I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there's, in many cases, there's a reason why things become folklore. You know, they, a lot of folklore was teaching. A lot of the, the folklore about, you know, these weird creatures in all these different cultures. If, if There's a lot of similar teachings in the folklore, you know, across different cultures. And you wonder, like, well... Why, you know, to me, that's really interesting because we're talking about, you know, maybe they call it a an ogre or a, a troll or something in Nordic lands. But they're telling you to approach it the same way that maybe some of the First Nations peoples here were telling you to approach Bigfoot. And you start getting this this idea where, like, these lessons are passed down to the folklore and you start seeing, like, well, maybe there's something to this. Maybe there's something a little more than, uh, than superstition going on here.
1: Uh, and it's kind of like, like, for me... I think whenever I because um, I interact with a lot of people of different nationalities. So I kind of like I like I like sitting down and talking to them and like, so what are your your, your your what are the ways that your people kind of deal? Like, how do you handle seeing things like ghosts, for instance? What do you do? And then they usually tell me, oh, we usually light something. So like for us, it's sage for them. It might be some other sort of incense
5: mm-hmm. or you
1: know or they might bring somebody in their priest person so to speak and kind of bless the house and which which we do as well so it's kind of like okay I, I get a good idea of what your traditional practices are quite like for like for instance I've watched your um you know your, your hundreds video <laughs> and um how you how you were talking about uh the the Dutch healers, I believe they yeah. are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I to help me, with, help me! That I, didn't, I wasn't really paying attention, but kind of like hearing how, you know, those people brought in their uh, traditions from like Germany and the Netherlands and all these other places in that area, and kind of like infusing it with Christian practice, and then kind of going about. You know, doing the charms and everything, and 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 that's uh, I like hearing about because I'm always curious about like, you know, how did people adapt their traditions to, you know, here in America, especially because it's like like for me, the traditions I'm describing go back thousands of years, right? But all these other things are relatively new to this to this land, mm-hmm. so it's kind of like, and so I'm always interested in hearing about as well as like you know. All these other traditions in that sense
2: yeah it's it's really interesting I mean folklore to me it's just it's so important and it's not fiction it's not the same thing like there's a reason why this stuff survives I think and it's passing information Mm -hmm. it's what it's doing you're lucky to have grown up in a culture like that I think that's you know it's absolutely amazing I, especially within like the Pennsylvania German culture here, we were talking a little bit about it on the show, it, you know, it's kind of shamed away in a sense. And, uh, and I think it was, they purposely tried to kind of sweep it under the rug. Now there's been a resurgence of late and kind of a, you know, people not being, you know, so ashamed of it anymore. And that's great. But to have something that you can, you can actually point to and like, yeah, my people were here and this tradition exists. Uh, that's pretty incredible really interesting to hear about.
1: And and kind of to like connect with that, you know, that for a while, like it, like it kind of went underground, for instance, you know, like, and I talk a lot about Lakota traditions because, you know, the Lakota side of my family managed to hang on to these traditions through, you know, the colonial efforts like boarding school and that kind of thing. But on my, and my mother's tribe, they've pretty much lost, their entire I guess you could say cultural religion, so to speak. I wouldn't call it religion, but you mm-hmm. know, you know, you know what I mean? It's like their spiritual aspect. Right. You know, now it's all it's all Native American church on their side.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And so so for me it's kind of like, you know, people should it be ashamed of their traditional beliefs, whether that's a fusion between stuff and christianity or older stuff yeah for me personally it's like you shouldn't have to be ashamed of those teachings
2: yeah oh yeah yeah absolutely we brought up the bunny man thing and you said it kind of stirred up a you know a, a little memory for you
1: yeah so so like okay and this is gonna be like one of those funnier stories so to speak so i think it was back in 2013 um around easter time my sister bought, like this giant fluffy rabbit and it was i mean it's like literally huge you could practically sit in a thing's lap and, and she was kind of swinging it back and forth in my face kind of like because she was you know still pretty young and you know how little kids are you know they're like when they want to fake hit you and kind of thing right and one one of those swings and it came back down. I could swear that rabbit's smiling face turned into the face of a gray. And I flipped out. I like I punched her rabbit across the room, basically. And then I I feel so bad now because it's like that that rabbit toy absolutely did not deserve to be <laughs> punched in the face. But it kind of that that like at that period of time as well, it kind of made me remember like. I never liked rabbits, like Easter rabbits, especially like the Easter bunny. I've never liked going to get my photo taken with the Easter bunny, ever. You know, preschool would take me, never wanted to sit with that Easter bunny. Parents would take me, never wanted to sit with the Easter bunny. It was just like, it just really disturbed me, like looking at, especially like all these different versions of the Easter rabbits uh-huh uh mask i guess face you know whatever the suit the the, the guy in the mall would be wearing right and it just never it just i just never liked it and i can't pinpoint any memory or reason why but it just that that incident with my sister and her toy rabbit just kind of made me wonder if that was connected to any of the um lights that i saw when i was growing because right. that was a strong reaction that you know I wasn't expecting and she wasn't expecting. It's you know it's kind of like something that kind of um, scared her at the time, but now we can laugh it off, sort of deal.
4: Mm-hmm. But
1: it was it was it was pretty a pretty intense moment, and that that just reminded me of like you know like uh, I never liked the Easter Bunny never you know liked anything of that sort where it has something anything that looks like that has like big black eyes i really don't like either so that easter bunny thing is you know it's it brought back some sort of reaction from me right at at that one point and it's kind of like lingered since then so i'm just very wary about anything easter rabbit related to.
2: <laughs> right. So this is more like uh, anamorphic or or people in costumes, not necessarily, you know, a, a natural rabbit
4: then.
1: Yeah. It's 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 more of anim- yeah, anamorphic. It's more like people in suits rather than a rabbit rabbit. Mm-hmm. But at the same time it's kind of like I'm not I'm not quite sure how to describe it. It's like some some is a reaction two like rabbit like objects that kind of, it just feels really, it's like one of those really weird pit in your stomach feelings. And like I said, I can't quite pinpoint that. I'm pretty sure there's a specific memory in there. Why I don't like rabbit related items.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: I, like I said, that was an abnormally strong reaction. And you know, it's, it it's just kind of it just kind of makes you uncomfortable thinking about it.
2: No, I understand. Do you have a similar reaction to images of grace?
1: Yeah, it, it's something. It's okay. So like, so like the first time I saw, um, oh god, what book is it? Not Whitley. One of those the book written by Whitley Strieber, and I can't remember the book's communion name off the top of my head. Communion. I saw. I saw the communion book cover when I was little, because I think one of my uncles had it, and it freaked me out. You know, I dropped the book, you know, I kicked it away. I think I may have crinkled a few papers, and I feel so bad about that, because no book should have that reaction (laughs) And, you know, and I just, it it was something at that point in time when I was about seven years old that just really... Freaked me out. And I think I had that same reaction when I actually watched a movie as well. And I, and I think the only movie I really didn't have such a strong reaction to was Close Encounters of the Third Kind. For some reason, I don't know why. It was just kind of like, oh, they obviously look like people in suits. That's not scary.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I have the same visceral reaction to, uh, yeah. to Images of Graves. Uh, I had the exact same reaction... As a you know, eighteen year old or something, to when I first saw the uh, the cover of Communion, absolutely hated it. I didn't kick it because I was in a bookstore, but I remember just looking away and just being like, well, "I don't know what that is, but I don't like it."
1: Yeah, it's kind of like like I think I was in the library one time and I saw it. I saw it was like it was on the display rack or something like that for like monthly book like book of the month sort of deal. <laughs> and I remember when I saw that too, I actually had to stop and look twice. And it was like one of those moments where, like, you know, the breath left me, and I was like, "Okay, did I really see that?" And I turned back around. And I was like, "Oh, it's just, it's just Whitley Strieber's book again." Ugh. You know,
4: right? So,
1: so it's for some reason it's that kind of reaction that I see. It's and it's not just grays either. It's like anything that looks like it has, you know, black eyes, mm-hmm. and and you know, it could be like like a picture of a cat, for instance. You know, like one of those like emo deviant art looking cats you know that that kind of pop up every now and then on social media and that kind of thing and that kind of makes me jump to it's like did not need to see that today
2: yeah yeah it's it's a, like a pit in your stomach kind of feeling I, i'm familiar with that
1: it's like it's like i'm not sure if that reaction is from anything not it's just it's just there
2: right so it cut out a little bit when you were talking about – I wanted to go back to this. When you were talking about your father going after the gray, I just had a follow-up question. Was the gray on foot?
1: Oh, oh yeah. It was on foot. Really? <laughs> and, and, yeah, he told me in vivid detail. And he, he kind of had that weird faraway look kind of like when you're really digging for that good good memory so to speak like you know everything about that memory you've analyzed it over and over and over again so you remember every little detail so he told me was that he and his partner saw it like like it was kind of like looking in into the into the you know I'm not sure if it was one person or if it was two two people you know their car was like looking into their windshield and then their you know passenger side windows and that kind of thing. So what he described to me was like on the ground, but at the same time, not. So the only thing, you know, we could correlate it was like hovering or gliding or some, some sort of thing. Cause, cause like for him, it was like this really weird sense of distortion where he couldn't tell if its feet were on the ground or if it was above the ground by like two inches or something. Mm-hmm. So, turned to look at at them started running and you know like what my what my father said like the way it was running looked kind of like it was like just taking like like it was like taking like small little steps in midair but it was going fast it's like what he would what he would tell me so kind of like like describe it it was like sonic hedgehog running it was just kind of like you know like very smooth but at the same time it was just like zooming across you know down the road so to speak so they actually when it actually got like i said a few yards away give or take they could back on like idled out when they approached the the other car and the gray itself and started following it you know like trying you know like pushing my knee trying to keep up with it and everything They came to this point in the road where it's, like, one of those sharp turns where, you know, you're kind of going off an edge, like, 20, 40 feet kind of ledges, so went into, like, a ravine. And so they had to stop short, but, like, what my father described was, like, ink. So it was, like, it was running in air rather than dropping down and continuing to run along the ground. It just... Continued on running, and they no longer see it anymore. And they just kind of sat there for like five minutes, like, I <laughs> just saw what they just chased.
2: Wow. So it, you cut out a little bit again, but so you you were saying he stopped, and then the gray just kept going, like, kind of into the air, like essentially just running on air.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, like just running ready. I dropped down a road that they couldn't follow. You know, it was just like, like like I said, like just running on air, basically.
2: That's amazing. Well, Colleen, thank you so much for sharing your stories. You're welcome. If you want to come back and and uh, tell us some about of uh, your other sightings of ghosts and so forth, we'd love to have you back. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you listened last week, we were talking about some folkloric entities that Chad's family, Pennsylvania German Heritage, had told him about. The Scraton was easy enough for me to source, kind of a goblin, hairy moss person, one of these wild things in the woods. But the other one was a little harder. Chad said it sounded like his grandfather was saying debouts. Laura helped us crack it. Thank you, Laura. Don't know if you want your last name used on the podcast, but she was able to source it with some German-speaking people and some Pennsylvania Dutch-speaking people. And we think it is baus, which translates to the evil one, perhaps, or something evil, or the evil lurker in the woods. So thank you, Laura, for your help with that. We'll be back soon with another episode of Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more, darkhollerarts.com. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. Go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com for more. We are on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars, where you can join the Strange Familiars Gathering Group as well. And we are on Instagram, at
4: strangefamiliars.
5: Hello, my name is Mo Pua. M-O-P-U-A. When I was eight years old, growing up in the Ozarks, I was climbing a tree at a house that was right across the street from my elementary school. And this tree was one that I climbed all the time, regularly. And In fact, we were considering maybe putting a treehouse up in the tree. Um, and this particular day... I climbed up higher than I ever had before, and up there, I got really scared, and my knees started knocking, and I I just, I got so scared of the height that I was at, that somehow I let go and was falling backwards, probably, I would guess I was, I would have been at least 20 or 30 feet up in the air, and... I remember looking up at the sky behind the leaves and branches of the tree, and so I was falling with my back toward the ground. And I stopped in midair and was so like relieved that I had stopped, but also like shocked like what's going on. And it was as if the branches beneath me had like woven themselves, like if you were to put your fingers of each hand together, to hold something like a basket and I reached to my right for the biggest branch that I could hold on to and I was able to like get myself to the safety of the thicker branches and imagine I had fallen about 10 feet so now I was like still 15 or 20 feet over the ground and when I climbed down to safety and I was standing by the trunk of the tree I looked down at the ground and I realized that there were Boards like old lumber that we'd been considering maybe building a treehouse with, and the boards had those very long, like five-inch nails nailed into the the end. There were like four or five of those nails all at the end of one of these boards, and they were pointing straight up to where I would have been. coming from had I fallen all the way down. So it was like the heads of the nails were solid against the ground all the way pushed through the board and sticking up like another four inches out of the board.